Hello, my friends, and welcome to today's episode of the Run of the Mills podcast. We are keeping up with the king as we make our way through Matthew, and we are in chapter 26. And last time, we stopped off at verse 16. And so this time, we're going to take a little chunk here as we make our way through this final week of just earthly ministry before his uh, crucifixion and resurrection. So uh, verse 17, it says, Now on the first day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread, the disciples came to Jesus saying to, him, saying to him, where do you want us to prepare for you to eat the Passover? So remember the when they celebrated the Passover, remember they were not supposed to eat uh, bread with leaven in it because they, remember they were supposed to be, uh, it was uh, re- reminding them of the people of Israel being ready to go, being ready to go. So they didn't have time for their bread to raise because they were, they were ready to go. And so, you know, the Jews would search their houses and clean out any leaven that might be in their house. And, and, and it's really a really beautiful picture there of, uh, as I've mentioned before on, on a, a previous episode, we were talking about how leaven, uh, yeast is a picture of sin in, in the Bible over and over and over and over and over. So, uh, it's the idea of, you know, cleaning your house, you know, taking a, taking a look at yourself, examining your own heart, examining your life, making sure there's no hidden sins. Um, today I was listening to somebody as they talked about the year of Jubilee, uh, which was something that was practiced by the Jews every 50 years where debts were canceled and, uh, property reverted back to its original owner. And, um, and, and one of the things that's really cool about the year of Jubilee and also kind of the seven year process that the Jews had in place was that it kept people from getting into unmanageable debt. It, it made you, um, deal with, deal with your debt and in a way that didn't allow it to take over. So just the, that same idea of keeping tabs on yourself, you know, we, something we need to do. So, uh, I wasn't going to talk about that today, but sometimes that happens here. I see something in the middle of talking and I think, Hey, I think I'll share that. Um, so anyway, this is again, Passover week. And so the disciples say, to Jesus, where do you want to, us to prepare for you to eat the Passover? And verse 18, he said to them, or and he said, go into the city to a certain man and say to him, the teacher says, my time is at hand. I will keep the Passover at your house with my disciples. So the disciples did as Jesus had directed them and they prepared the Passover. When evening had come, he sat down with the twelve. Now, as they were eating, he said, Assuredly, I say to you, one of you will betray me. And they were exceedingly sorrowful, and each began to say to him, Lord, is it I? And he answered and said, He who dipped his hand with me in the dish will betray me. The Son of Man indeed goes just as it was written of him, but woe to the man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would have been good for that man if he had not been born. Then Judas, who was betraying him, answered and said, Rabbi, is it I? And he said to him, you have said it. All right. Now, in the book of Matthew, the Lord's Supper comes after this. In some of the other Gospels, uh, this is mentioned after. And so there is some debate among scholars about when did this take place? Did There are some that say, well, this comes before, you know, in the book of Matthew, it comes before the Lord's Supper, and that makes sense because, you know, Jesus wouldn't have, 
wouldn't have done uh, the Lord's Supper with Judas present. And, and, and honestly, I think that while there's there's probably good arguments either way, I don't think we know. Um, I just don't think we know. Uh, there's probably smarter people than I that would argue and say, I know. Well, if they have that confidence, great. I don't. So I'm not going to tell you that I'm confident in it because I'm not. Uh, so verse um, 21, when Jesus says to them, assuredly, I say to you, one of you will betray me. Now, what's interesting about this is I think in our minds, like maybe because we've seen pictures and we've seen movies and Judas is always this greasy guy, you know, his hair slicked back. It's dark. He's got this pencil thin mustache, you know, and all the other guys are kind of jovial looking, you know, Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs looking guys. And then there's this one weaselly snaky looking dude who's judas and every you know the whole time like oh that's judas that's judas he's gonna he's the bad guy you know and you just know because you watch the movie or you look at the cartoons or whatever but what we see here is that's not the case right because when jesus says assuredly i say to you one of you will betray me they don't just all suddenly snap their heads around and look at judas and be like really really judas and in fact, we know from other gospels that they don't even get it, even when he says, like, yeah, it, it's you. Go and, you know, what you're about to do, go and do. And they think, oh, just sent him out to get food. So when he says this, surely I say one of you will betray me. It says they were exceedingly sorrowful and each began to ask him or say to him, Lord, is it I? Which I think says something really neat about their character is that they weren't they weren't looking at you know, in an accusing fashion at each other. They, they didn't right away think, Oh, it's, it's that one. I think they'd been with Jesus long enough to recognize their own weaknesses. Even though we are going to see some statements later that seem quite, the, quite the opposite of that. Um, as they are saying like, I would never betray you. Um, I would, I would never, and I never turn on you, but we see here that they're saying, is, is it I? And Jesus answered, he says, he who dipped his hand with me in the dish will betray me. And the Son of Man indeed goes just as it is written of him, but woe to the man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would be good for that man if he were not born. So he's just saying, look, this is bad news, This, but this is what was written. This is this um, this was foretold. Um, it says, then Judas, who was betraying him, answered and said, Rabbi, is it I? And Jesus said, you have said it. So what I what was kind of struck me about this is this is just so so typical. Um, Judas here's this guy who is hiding his sinful intentions. He's hiding it. He he's he is uh, put on a good show, such a good show that the disciples aren't expecting it of him. They're not accusing him. They're um, they're to the point where when it when it does they still they just don't believe it and sadly i've seen this many many times in my life i've seen this happen a lot of times uh sadly with pastors and church leaders that i've some that i've known uh some that are well known and we I mean if you follow the news you probably read about just the the horrible things that came out about ravi zacharias after he died and the the uh, the ministry that he started paying uh, investigators to find out the truth because they really they desired to know and, and found out just heartbreaking things about this man who put on a show and and he's not the only one at all 
you know, I, I had a friend of mine that, that uh, was involved in some, just some really horrible things. And, and when it came out, another friend of mine, the two of us, we both were, well, I believe the conversation my friend told me, I said, I talked to so-and-so and I told him like, if you need somebody to vouch for your character, you call me and I'll be right there. And I told my friend like, yeah, well, if they need somebody, I'll be there too. What ends up, we were both wrong about his character. The things that he was accused of were true. And, you know, later he, he admitted to. So, you know, this is the tragic thing that, and, and this is one of those reasons I think we need to be so careful uh, with, with our, with our leaders, especially with, with church leaders, uh, pastors in particular, is to be so careful that we do not put them on some sort of pedestal because, you know, there's only one way to go from there and that's down. Um, you know, the, the, the role of a pastor is to point you to Jesus. Uh, one of the things, unfortunately, of the mega church movement and this desire for church growth is that we have these cults of personality where people are there for the church leader because he's funny, because he's entertaining, because he's dynamic, whatever it might be. And if he was gone, the crowds would be gone. And to me, that's kind of concerning. Uh, I, I had a friend that uh, worked with the pastor of a very, very large church, um, multiple thousands of people. At one point, there was uh, 30,000 people uh, at their multiple campuses. And their church had to have, he was insured because the uh, the banks that loaned them the money for the building knew if this guy's gone this church is gone these people are leaving and and to me that was always kind of concerning like am i this there because of the guy you know is he my hero is he my you know is is he my mentor i don't know this guy i don't know this guy and it always felt important to me that the people in my church know me you know that there, there's something to be said for that, that of knowing people. And, but even then the disciples lived together, they traveled together and he kept it hidden. The thing is though, you can't keep, you can't keep these things hidden forever. And that's the nature of sin is it it's slowly spreads and eventually it, it, it destroys, you know, um, Romans chapter six talks about the three results of the Christian who continues in sin. And it's, the results are slavery, shame, and death. So let us not be, as I've been saying this whole chapter, let us examine the bad guys so that we don't fall for the same traps, fall into the same pits that they fell into. That we would examine ourselves and say, oh, Lord, heaven forbid that I allow this sin to stick around and slowly grow underneath the surface. Heaven forbid, I think I can hide it and keep it hidden away where it won't affect anybody and no one will know. My little secret sin. If you find those things going on in your life, I, I would encourage you today to confess it to the Lord, Just to, which means admit it, you know, just coming into agreement with him, saying, God, you know this thing that you, yeah, you know about it. I, 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 I agree. It's wrong. And it's got to stop. So God, I forgive me and then get on with not doing that thing. And there's great freedom in that because, you know, the great thing about being a believer is, hey, tomorrow morning is an, it's a new day. When I say to the Lord, forgive me, 
now and I can move on from that thing and I'm walking in newness of life. And that's a pretty glorious thing. And I don't take that lightly to mean like, oh, I just sin and now I can be like, oh, forgive me and get on with doing the exact same thing. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm saying, turning to the Lord and saying, God, forgive me in, in that brokenness, but also realizing I have that freedom where I don't have to be ruled by that anymore. I don't have to do that anymore. I'm free from that. And that's good news. God bless you. Talk to you next time.